I, um, <clears throat> I was, woke up this morning and was trying to figure out where we were a year ago. Uh, and uh, I knew about where we were, I thought. And uh, so I went online and was trying to go through the series of last year's um, videos, meetings. I was trying to remember. I remember Brother Yoon uh, being here. And uh, <clears throat> for those of you, it's, it's, it's hard to have multiple services. And um, well, that in itself is a statement. <laughs> but <clears throat> to follow along the Holy Spirit, to, to follow with the Holy Spirit and not be a cookie-cutter church, um, and so you, some of you might not know this, but he came, uh, first service, he gave a prophetic word uh, over the church. And uh, it was really r- real powerful church, uh, word and just said, um, you know, look to see where you are this time next year. So he came in March of 2018. And so I was going through and watching the videos and, and uh, <clears throat> came back to uh, December the 30th of 2018. And on December, how many people remember that day? Christine, Christine does. 2000, uh, uh, December the 30th of 2018 was when I think I, I introduced this verse. And I said then that felt like that the Holy Spirit kind of arrested me or bumped me and basically said in a very kind way, because he's so kind, says, Jeff, this is you. So, oh, mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And so we have been on this trek of, of, of where the Holy Spirit is bringing us to, to, be, to be a people who uh, do not have a division between these two statements here, between the scriptures and the power of God. And I, 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 I really feel like that the Holy Spirit is actually... To his church, he is sowing the church back up where there's been a division around these two things, these two items. Right now, there's a division in the church. There's, there's, there, either the church either leans towards the scripture or they lean towards the power. But there's coming a marriage where they're going to be together. And for me, in order for the church to look like Jesus, this has to happen. Because this is Jesus. He's not called the word for nothing. <laughs> but there's coming, there's coming a marriage between those two. So uh, I was remembering that. And then as I'm thinking about this past year, <clears throat> if you've been with us over any uh, sort of time, we've been talking about the atonement. And remember this verse in, in Exodus, where God tells, tells Moses, you know, build me a tabernacle. And uh, build, while you're building a tabernacle, I want you to build me a, a, an, a, an atonement uh, place, a cover. When it, you know, this dimension, 47 inches by, or 40, 45 inches by 27 inches. And, and I want it to, to, to be uh, you know, bookend by two cherubim. And he says, I will, I will meet you there. From there, I will talk to you. From there, I will give you the directions for Israel. And, you know, we're thinking about that. It's like, wow, that, what's so special about that? Well, we talked about that place right there is where the place is actually where sin was paid for. So if you take what he said in the Old Testament, now we know that reading this, 
that the there that he's talking about in the Old Testament referred to this place with the the Ark of Testimony and all that stuff was, but in the New Testament, it's a person. It's Jesus. So one of the things that I felt helpful for me is when I'm feeling distant from God and I don't know how to get there or I feel condemned or I feel accused or whatever, if I can come back to the place where sin was paid for, it erases my etch-a-sketch. Like, oh, I have direct access when I come back to this place where sin was paid for. Oh, here's another cool thing. I'll read it to you. Psalms 99.1. says, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Right now, his throne is in between the cherubim where sin was paid for. Oh. Mm. So, the thing that we are learning is that looking at the atonement, that the, the fact that this whole thing about the atonement, how mankind was estranged from God, and God found a way for mankind to be reconciled back to him, or actually he was reconciled back to, to mankind. The thing about it is, is that Jesus is God's gift to mankind. Mankind could not breach the gap between the sin of man, the state of man, and the holiness of God, could, could not breach it. So God had to come up with a way in order to find a bridge, for there to be a bridge between heaven and earth, between his heart and mankind. And the way that he found it was, God himself, Jesus, volunteered to take on the guilt that mankind had had done. And in that, not only did he take on the the guilt of mankind, but he also, as a man, uh, fulfilled the law. And basically, in fulfilling the law, he said back to God, your ways are just and true. Your ways, your laws are just and true. He fulfilled the law. He did it without sin. And at the same time, he took on the guilt of mankind. And that, in that sacrifice, he appeased the wrath of God towards mankind forever. Jesus is God's gift to mankind. It's the best he could give. It's amazing. So I was telling first service, someone, someone gave me a couple of books on the atonement and I think they're like this thick. And you know, the font is like this big. And so I'm reading, it is so slow. Like I'm running out of highlighters because everything is good. But the problem is, is I've highlighted things and then I forgot where I was. So I go back and I'm rereading what I've already highlighted, but I'm thinking, I don't think I've read this before. It's just one of these books that's super deep. And so anyway, I, I am devouring that very slowly because it's one big piece of meat. I'm just... And... Uh, <clears throat> but hopefully this, what I'm, what I'm reading is, is actually gonna come out, but it's affecting everything. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited, excuse me, excited about that. So, okay. So, 
If you were here last week, oh, let me, let me, hear, let me say this. So we're reading about the atonement. We're, we're reading about, we're, we're studying about what Jesus has done for us. And we're coming to this place in our discovery, uh, this place is the, that we're coming to is how do I apply that? How do I access what he's done? And that's that, that, and, and the way that we access what he's done, actually it was brilliant the way, he, the, the way that he's thought of this. Uh, the way that we access what he's done is, is it, it actually clears the deck for everybody. Everybody from the smallest child to the oldest person has direct access to what he's done. The way that we access it is all across this bridge called faith. Ah, that one just kind of... No, it's faith. Children can believe. Children have direct access to God. Children, that's why Jesus said, uh, oh, don't hinder the little children. Let them come to me. For the kingdom belongs to such a people as these. Everyone has access to the kingdom. It's all done through faith. The problem is, is as we get older, somehow we've unlearned that. Someone did mental jujitsu on us and put us in a pretzel hold. And now we don't know, we're kind of, kind of, you know, tied up when it comes to faith. Or faith, when I say faith, faith is one of those buzzwords that there's been misappropriation of faith or misunderstood faith, or there's so much discouragement in the church concerning faith that some people are too tired to even look at it. I said uh, earlier today, I I, I really feel like that one of the things that's, one of the major uh, issues that I believe that the body of Christ is dealing with is hope deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desires fulfilled is a tree of life. We are more in touch with hope deferred. The hope deferred side of that, of that uh, equation is so big, and the desires fulfilled is so small. Like, and I, I feel like that the, that the Lord is going to write that in us. And so, anyway, so what I want to talk about today, I was, uh, I was talking to Becky uh, yesterday, and we were... Uh, just discussing, like I don't. She said, How, "How's it going about you know putting together a message for today?" And I was like, "It's kind of good, but I don't know. I'm not sure what to what to speak on." And she said, "Can I just tell you that last week's message was so big it would be presumptuous of us to move on from that." So let me just tell you. So having said that, can I just tell you I have a fear about that? I have a fear about talking about something that I talked about last week. Because the way human nature is, is we are so clever that once that we hear something twice repeated, we think we've got it. And as a result, what happens is we check out. And so I, that's a, you know, that's a Greek mindset. To think that you know something you know something, you know, you know about something, therefore you, you have it. It's a Greek mindset. I, an Eastern mindset is all about the experience. I don't have it until I have experienced it. But the Greek mindset is I have, if I know it, I've, I understand it, I have it. And so I want to talk this morning, I'm going to go back over what we talked about last week, but then I'm going to take it just a little bit further and show some more uh, examples of what we're talking about. But this subject of faith 
It's a big deal. It's a, it's, it, it feels like it's so big. That's the other thing. That there's so much to talk about concerning faith that I feel like I'm walking in with a tray of all of this, you know, stuff, vegetables or whatever, and I'm trying not to spill anything, and I, just, I can't do it. My, it's, there's too much to talk about. So we'll just see where we get to today and see what the Holy Spirit does in the coming weeks. But, but the faith, again, the faith that I'm talking about is not the faith that we think, because I keep putting up that, that uh, slide where it says, where Jesus says, where's your faith? When he asked his disciples after the storm, they were asleep in the boat. These seasoned fishermen, expert fishermen, were scared for their life in the storm and wake up Jesus and said, hey, don't you care that we're about to perish? So he gets up and rebukes the storm and said, where's your faith? And so that, that statement, that phrase <clears throat> instantly uh, points to, I don't know how you hear that or how you, how, what, what that does for you, but for me, I'm instantly I'm looking for or I associate that with an amount. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough. I don't, evidently, I, I'm, I'm, my faith is lacking. I don't, I don't have enough. I should have stored it. My, holes, my pockets have holes in it. And so faith just keeps leaking out. And there's truth in that, but it's not the whole truth. The truth in that is it's not actually the amount of faith that you have. It's the focus of the faith that you have. And so what we've been looking at when we're looking at the atonement and what Jesus has done and why he's done that, as we are looking at the atonement, what begins to happen is the eyes of faith that we have all of a sudden get off of us and begin to be raised and look at him and what he's done. And all of a sudden, and so when our faith begins to be placed in what he's done instead of what I can do or what I've done, oh, now we're cooking with gas. So I pray that these eyes of faith, so what I'm wanting to do is, is as we've been uh, looking at the atonement and what Jesus has done, it, it, it creates a natural buoyancy on your faith level, and all of a sudden we begin to put our faith in what he's done. We realize, oh, just for a simple, simple illustration, he's no longer mad at me. He's no longer mad at you. His wrath, he took his wrath out on Jesus. Start this crowd here, here we go. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke 18. I need to get going. And what I want to, like I said, what I want to do in review, we're going to look at uh, what we talked about last week. If you weren't here, this is going to be your first time. If you were here, you're going to get to hear it again. I make no apologies. Luke 18, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Always pray, never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then, then, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people 
who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So this is where I want to land. Learn a lesson about the unjust judge. What did he start out by saying? Always pray, never give up. There's no loophole in there. Always pray, never give up. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And so last week we talked about this and we kind of analyzed the, the, the question that he was asking. Is this a rhetorical question? Is he, is he asking how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Is he talking about believers or, or non-believers? Or is he actually talking about the type that, what he started out by saying, trying to teach people that you should always pray and never give up? Is that the kind of faith that he's talking about? I think it is. So the fact that he would even ask the question makes me wonder what is the condition of the earth or the, earth, or the condition of the church going to be like when he returns? It's like, yikes. How many will he find on the earth who have faith? What that tells me is, is that let's just take it in, in the church that, that it looks like, it sounds like that there's going to be a natural decline that happens in regards to faith in the church. To the point that when he returns, the, 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 the ones who have the faith, the faith that doesn't give up, the, the faith that keeps believing, sounds like are gonna be few and far between. And I'm like, oh, dear God, please, please don't let me, don't let us, don't let us be one of those. I, I'm asking right now, according to your mercy, Remember your mercies, Lord. Let the angels who are recording right now up there record that we are asking, please do not let us be one of those. So with that, we're gonna look at faith. Turn to Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus is saying, so I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it then you will have it. Last week, we looked at this verse, and in this statement that Jesus is making, he is actually talking in three different tenses. There's a, there's a present tense. He says, when you pray, just so you know, when you are praying, you are in present tense. When I'm praying, I'm in present tense. I'm not, I'm not praying, I might be praying about something in the future, but I'm asking in the present. So he says, when you pray for something, believe that you have received it. What tense is that? Past. Are you saying that because you just saw that? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. When you pray for, can you guys see this over there? When you pray for something, believe that you've received it, then it will be yours. Future. Now, that doesn't make any logical sense at all. When you pray for something, believe that you've received it, then you will have it. Like this is, what is this, back to the future? It's weird. Because we're not, we're not trained to do that. We're trained to actually do something else. Let me, before I can go further, let me just say, let me tell you what, what we're bumping up against right here. If I am 
instructed by Jesus, given permission by Jesus, that when I pray that I'm to believe for something that I don't have, but I'm to believe that I've already received it, whatever that is right now in its state that I'm praying from, that I'm believing from, is actually invisible. I don't have it yet, right? So if I'm praying for a beach ball, Lord, I'm believing when you pray, Lord, I really want a beach ball. Believe that you've received it. It's invisible. Then you will have it. But once I have the beach ball, it becomes visible. Let me tell you how we actually how we actually pray. When I'm praying for something that I don't let's see, when I basically the way that we pray is when I pray for something, I immediately look over here. Where's where's, where's my beach ball? I don't I don't have a beach ball. Where's and because I'm looking for the visible, I get discouraged and I don't see it. I begin to get discouraged. I don't see it. So basically what this, this action is right here is basically I'm saying I will believe it when I see it. That sentence right there, I'll believe it when I see it, basically says this. I'll believe the, I'll, let me read this because I always get, when I see the visible, I'll believe in the invisible. That's what that means. When I, I'll see it, I'll believe it when I see it. And Jesus, there's Jesus, God's saying, oh, no, no, no. If you believe it, you'll see it. So Jesus is saying, so I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it. Jesus here is instructing us on where to put faith. Where do we put faith? In the visible or the invisible? <laughs> I hear it. Some of your, your emergency brakes are on. <laughs> Jeff, I'm trying, I can't get it off. <clears throat> when I pray presently, I look to see if I have it. Then I believe. And yet faith is actually, it's inserted here in the invisible. When you believe the invisible, you'll see the visible. Can I just tell you, these two, these are two different paradigms. These two paradigms, these are two different paradigms. These two paradigms have been at war with each other, colliding. If you remember uh, Jesus when he was uh, on the earth and uh, the Pharisees would get into an argument with him. They would say, hey, show us the sign and we'll believe. Do you remember what Jesus said? A wicked and perverse generation asked for a sign. It is after we have, be- it's after we have believed that we have received that actually causes God to go to work. It's after we believe that we have received that God begins to go to work. But can I just tell you, this is fraught, 
fraught with all sorts of stuff because the enemy is constantly getting to, trying to get your attention, my attention, directed over here. If he can get, get our attention over here, this, oh, I forgot about to, remember the promise? The promise comes to us. God's word, God's promise comes like in seed form. It says that God's word is a seed in the parable of the sower. God's word, his promise comes to us in seed form. Why is that important? Because if I don't understand that it comes in seed form when he says, I'm giving you an oak tree and I get an acorn, I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. I don't see one. It's in there. You can see God when he speaks all throughout scripture, all throughout scripture, tells Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. No, you don't. I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have any children. I have made you a father of many nations. It's a seed. It comes in seed form. The promise comes in seed form. The promise to you comes in seed form. It's not till after we have believed that we have received it puts, the, it puts the seed into the soil. When the seed is in the soil, guess what? The seed's now invisible, right? It's underground, it's, in, it's invisible. When the seed is in the soil, the seed has the power to do its own work. The enemy is after that seed. He is after your seed. Now he can't steal your seed. He can't steal it from you. What he, can, what he can do, though, is to get your seed, to get you so discouraged that the seed is actually dislodged and you lay it down. And the way that he does this is he brings down all, everything that has to do with the visible. He's not doing that. He didn't really mean that. That was a pizza dream. You misheard that. And we're, we're sitting here going... Because the, the issue really is, is, is when we believe, it's like, how long does it take? And somehow we figured out that we know how much each promise, how, how long each promise takes to be fulfilled. We figured it out. We've got it. Got the market on promises. Oh, you got a dud. And yet Jesus is saying, He's told a story to his disciples to show them that we should always pray and never give up. Where's the loophole? Now, hold on before you start applying all of your discouragements in life to this verse. Just hold on. Don't do that yet. Hold on. So Jesus is telling us Put the receiving of the blessing in the past tense. It's not until we get the seed planted in the past. In the past. Oh, sorry. It's not until we get the seed planted in the past. In our hearts that it begins to grow. Believe that you have received. Now, we have talked about, there are four different types of faith. It's, it's illustrated in scripture. There's a temporary, there's an intellectual, there's a dead kind of faith, and then there's a real saving kind of faith. For illustration purposes, because probably most of us have fallen into this category right here, the temporary kind of faith. 
What does a temporary kind of faith look like? It's the kind of faith that hears the word, receives the word with joy. Wow, wow, this is gonna be awesome. This is amazing. And then it says that when affliction or persecution arises because of it, so we can, I don't think that anyone's gonna, you know, whatever. Let's just go to this. Affliction or persecution arises because of the word. Let's just say when things don't work out the way I thought that they were gonna work out or when he doesn't come through when I thought he was gonna come through, we have a tendency to lay it down. And Jesus calls, that, that, that's, that's a type of faith, it's temporary. The temporary type of faith actually what happens is, is when we listen to the voice of the enemy and he's pointing to everything visible, everything that should be, could be, you should have, he could have, he's not, he doesn't care about, whatever it is, we listen to that and he can't, he can't reach in and take it, but all he can do is get us to let go of it and boom. Now the promise is laying over here dormant. I tell you, I think there's some people here You've got some dormant promises. The, thing, the truth of the matter is, if I put this seed right here, nothing's gonna happen. It won't grow. It doesn't grow until we plant it. Plant it. Believe that you have received and you'll have it. Jesus says, always pray, never give up. Why would he say that? Never give up because there's a tendency to give up. There's a tendency for me to give up. If I don't understand, the, 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 re, the, way, the reason that I give up is because I try to figure out what he's doing according to what I would do. Right? So in other words, I'm, I'm trying to assess God's spiritualness with my naturalness. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't treat my kids like that. And when we don't see any evidence of what, it, what he's doing, because it takes a while for seed to, to be planted. When we don't see any evidence of it, we get discouraged and we step away. Can I just tell you? And let's just say we don't step away from God. We step away from the promise. But can I also tell you this? Every person that has stepped away from God started in the place of discouragement and offense. Talks about in scripture, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be, be quick to forgive. Be quick to release. Okay, so <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the 10 men with leprosy. So we're going to go back through there. After this one, I'm going to pick up some new examples. Luke chapter 17. Jesus is walking through a village, and as he's walking, he hears somebody off in the distance going, Hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looks over, and there's this group of men that are over there, and he's like, Hey, what's the deal with them? Well, they, 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 they all have leprosy. Oh. So basically, they're hollering at Jesus because they can't come in to where he is and let, let him lay hands on him because the people, the townspeople are afraid that he, they're gonna infect everybody else. So they're over there going, hey, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus looks at him, 
And he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And it says that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So the question that we asked last week is, when were they healed? It looks like it's when they went. But they were actually healed when he spoke. Psalms 107, 20. He sent his word and healed them. So let's, let's stop, pause a second and try, and try to act this thing out. Jesus, have mercy on me. What are they doing? They're praying in the present. What does Jesus do? Show yourselves to the priest. Well, that's weird because if I show myself to the priest, they're gonna see that I have leprosy. Does it mean, wait, unless Jesus is meaning something, is he, is he saying in essence that I'm healed? Because the only reason that we would go to the priest is if we were actually healed. Could it mean that we were, were actually healed? Well, I don't look, any, do you look healed? I know, I don't look healed. Do you look, no, all 10 of them. We don't look any different. What's happened? The word, he sent the word. Where's the word right now? It's in the invisible. If they were to look at, to see, well, how would I know if I was healed? When he says it or when I see it? That he was, they were healed when he spoke it. So if you look at what happens, if we could look into the invisible, the word came out of his mouth, went into the invisible. Believe, when you pray for something, believe that you have received. Now there's a choice. Do we wait until we see it or do we go because he said it? And it says, as they went, it became visible. As they went in obedience, they went as if they believed him. They were cleansed. Uh, Look at Luke. Luke 1, I'm gonna read it to you. It's a story of Zacharias or John the Baptist. And Zacharias, because that was his dad. You guys good? You have your Bible? Let me just read it to you. Luke chapter one, we'll start with verse uh, 11. It says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition, your prayers have been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient attitude to the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. (sighs) Do you remember what Zechariah said? How can I be sure that'll happen? Now, again, one of my favorite stories, the fact that Zacharias is real, how can I be sure that'll happen? What's happening? First of all, Gabriel has just come. First of all, let's look at this. So uh, Zacharias is in in, in a room in the Holy of Holies by himself, and all of a sudden, poof, 
there's an angel standing to the right of him. So now, let's just say that he was dressed like you and me. That in itself would still shock me. How did you get in here? There's only one way in and one way out. So I'd have been shocked. So Gabriel could have said, hey, don't be afraid. Oh, okay, you're just another guy. But then I'm thinking, you know, remember when Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days with, uh, with God? And then when he came back down off the mountain, remember what happened? It put a veil over his face. Why? He was glowing. He'd been in the presence of God for 40 days. I don't know how long Gabriel has been there. But I bet he looked different than anybody else. So here you've got this, you've got this angel, right? Boom, he shows up. Don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers. The prayers that you no longer pray, God has heard them. And then he begins to tell him about the answer to the prayer about his son. He gives him this whopping prophecy, reads his mail, reads his mail. I mean, I'm thinking, if I, didn't, if I didn't believe any of that, I'd walk away going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. God has heard my prayer. Didn't move him. Didn't move Zacharias at all. Instead, he said, how will I know this for certain? And then he begins to tell the, uh, Gabriel his symptoms. I'm too old. My wife is advanced. Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Why? Why did, why, why did, why did Gabriel have to shut his mouth? Because he knew that seed that he gave him, the birth of the child, it comes as a seed. It was a promise. It comes as a, it's a seed. Was not being planted and he knew if, if, if Zacharias has unbelief, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love its fruit, will, will, those who love it will eat its fruit. Gabriel's like, if I leave this seed here like this, not planted, Zacharias is going to talk himself out of this and it's going to be dormant. The whole thing could be lost. So he said, the best thing, the kindest thing I can do is to shut your mouth, Zacharias. So he did. For nine months. Read it. The day they dedicated John the Baptist. <gasps> praise be to God. Praise be. It just does this whole thing. That, so they're all going, wow. Here's another one. Mark 11. Remember uh, when Jesus, there, there, uh, it's early in the morning, I guess, and Jesus was hungry and he goes over to the fig tree and there's no fruit and he curses it. May, may no fruit ever grow on you ever again. And you're like, yikes. That's where 24-hour uh, restaurants came into being. <laughs> Jesus is hungry. You better get him something to eat. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to... And so, so he curses the fig tree. They go on about their business. The next day, they're walking back by the next morning, they passed the fig tree that he had cursed and the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Now, you gotta watch this because this is actually the action of faith. Jesus spoke a word 
Well, let me ask you this. How, do you, how can you tell if a tree is dead or not? Leaves. You look at the leaves. So Jesus says to this, to this fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you ever again. He cursed it. That means, and then the disciples left. They all left. That means when they left, that fig tree still had leaves on it and it looked like it was still alive. But the word that he released went into the invisible and worked from there up and out because he withered from the roots up. This is where we put our faith, is in the invisible. Jesus put his faith in the invisible. It just happened to be, why didn't it, why didn't it, why didn't it die from the, from the top down? His words went into the invisible realm, and here, this is where we see the effect or the trail of faith. It goes into the invisible first before it comes out into the visible. But where the enemy wants to come in and steal, he gets our attention focused on the visible, and it never has time to take root in the invisible. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we live by believing, not by seeing. We live by believing, not by seeing. So again, where do we believe? Believe in the invisible. Believe, we live by believing, not by seeing. In Mark 16, it's one of our favorite verses, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. The prayer that believes the invisible, regardless of what it sees, visible. Talks about in James. Anyone sick, call for the elders. The prayer offered in faith. Believe that I receive. Let me lay hands on you. Believe that you receive. Says that they will recover. Again, where the enemy comes in. Feel any different? Nope. Do you look any different? Nope. Takes the seed. So I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it. Then it will be yours. So, try this. Try this this week. Try remembering to attach your faith or belief that you've received it to whatever you're praying for. And remember, give it time. Give it time to germinate. Give it time. There's a... Um, Give it time. The thing that I want to caution you against is right now, many of us are coming up with, uh, uh, we've got a record, we have a ledger of places where God has not come through. And right now, we're pointing the finger at him. Or the, actually, the enemy's pointing the finger at him where he didn't do it or you didn't do it or whatever. So no condemnation, no, none of that. But if you would begin to start out small, I've changed my prayer life. I, I've changed my, like I was praying today when I got up this morning, like, God, would you please help me, help me articulate this. This feels so big. I don't think I have the capacity to, to articulate this. And I remembered, whatever you, when you pray for something, believe that you've received it. Okay, so I believe that I received it. And I came in here walking in obedience as though I had believed. And sure enough, 
Again, I was waiting for the visible sign. So for me, the visible sign is, oh, I could feel the presence of God, you know, in my room. And there, I know I'm on the right course. Didn't have any of that. Got here today, I'm kind of going. <laughs> but sure enough, as I've come up here, like the Holy Spirit has helped me. So he'll help you. Believe that you have received. Could it be that the things, the, the reason we've been getting robbed is we've not known where to put our faith not known, to put it there and keep it there. And again, see, this is, gonna, this is causing us now to look back at the atonement. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. God would be an unjust God if he did not deliver what he promised you. So there could be discouragement and hope deferred making the heart sick has set in and caused most of us to have sick hearts as it pertains to God. But the good news is, is the Holy Spirit's wanting to come in and take all of that sickness out. Let's stand. So, Lord, one of the things I had said uh, last week, I really feel like in, in, this, in these teachings that the Lord is actually causing us to line up with him. He's causing us. So the things that he has spoken over your life, the destiny, the purpose, the prophecies, he's spoken over your life. He's causing you to come into alignment with those prophecies. Let me, can I just tell you, he's not gonna come to you, we're gonna come to him. Because if he came to us, we're over here going, well, I'll believe you if I see it. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't do that. You come over here. If you believe it, you'll see it. So he's causing us to come to him. He's causing our, the foundation of our faith to come into alignment with his word. That's the next big thing. Do we, do we believe it because we see it or do we believe it because he says it? So Lord, thank you. We, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, your word says you are faithful even when we are faithless. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you, Lord, that you remember that we are but dust. Lord, we align ourselves with your word. We align ourselves, Lord, with your will. Would you, we ask, Lord, would you give us faith? Like praying for that, that man said, I believe, help my unbelief. We say, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. We thank you that you're doing all things. You're working all things for our good. Again, you can hear that it's a seed. He's working all things for your good. Well, I don't see it. Oh, 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 don't let that rob the seed. The truth of it from going in. It's like Gideon, the angel shows up, mighty man of God, or the Lord is with you. And he said, well, if the Lord's with me, why are we going through all this? So Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, thank you that you are. Thank you that you, that you will. We're all on target. You're all on target. In Jesus' name, amen.